0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. You know, being in community is really important. You know, community shapes us in deep ways. They shape our stories in, uh, in deep ways. Now, as we've been journeying, we're, in, we're part of a series, right in the middle of a series called A Better Story. And we've been journeying through the great story of the Christian faith. It's a story of, of essentially the great story of love as God continually pursues after us. It's a great story. It's a better story than the other narratives that we're surrounded by in the culture. And these stories that that we believe, whether it's the better story, the Christian story, whatever story we believe, are important. In fact, they're of ultimate importance because they shape us and they mould us, they form us in profoundly deep ways. And our stories are shaped and affirmed by the communities that we find ourselves in. The stories that we believe about ourselves are affirmed by the communities that we surround ourselves in, whether that's the families we grow up in, whether it's the friends we're surrounded by, whether it's the the social or work communities that we choose to be with or the groups that we identify with. The stories we share in the communities that we find ourselves in shape us, form us and affirm us in deeply profound ways. Bernadette was a well was well liked at work and as a training supervisor in a bank, a vibrant young woman enjoying the social life in the clubs. But after her health took a downward turn, she began to look for new places for meaning and purpose. Bernadette fell in with a group preaching radical Christian theology in their own small circle, away from the main church services. And there was talk of a man in Texas who knew the secrets of the final judgment day. David Koresh's offer was a seductive one. He'd convinced them that he was the next Messiah, one sent by God to lead those righteous souls that, uh, that would be saved and that would taste eternal life. What he didn't tell them is that, after, that his version of the apocalypse would be armed with a massive stockpile of guns and ammunition. And after an extended siege, tragically, Bernadette and 71 others lost their life in a fiery shootout with authorities. The stories we share in the communities we find ourselves in shape us in profound ways. Brent had a passion from an early age to make a difference in this world. Through university, he focused his energy on spiritual zeal, attending revival prayer meetings and sharing his faith freely. After marriage, however, Brent found a growing desire to pursue business success. It drew him further away from his wife, children, and Christian community as he spent more time away with his growing new financial ventures. The thrill of success and the drive to prove his value became seductive. Many of Brent's colleagues and friends who he spent much of his time with had been divorced. And despite the warnings, Brent too ended up walking away from his marriage, children, and faith community. The stories we share and the communities we find ourselves in shape us in deeply profound ways. After growing up in an influential family in the suburbs of Berlin, a young Dietrich Bonhoeffer decided to pursue the academic academic study of theology. A brilliant mind, Bonhoeffer grew in stature as both an academic scholar and Christian leader. Increasingly troubled by what he observed in uh, in his own nation, he actively and publicly opposed both Hitler, the leader of the Nazi party, and the support Hitler received from the state Lutheran church. Bonhoeffer found himself forging a new Christian community, a confessing church. And during the Second World War, Bonhoeffer entered a close-knit community of Christian believers where a vision of living life as a disciple in the kingdom grew. The community gave clarity and courage for Bonhoeffer to continue to oppose the evils around him. And his active opposition ultimately led to his death at the hands of SS agents only months before the end of the war. The stories we share in the communities we find ourselves in shape us, form us and affirm us in profound ways. I want to ask you a question this morning: What community or communities are shaping your story? What community or communities that you find yourself in are shaping? Your story. You know, I'm deeply thankful for the for the communities that I've found myself in over the course of my life. You know, I think back over my life, there have been some incredible groups of people that have encouraged me and have grown me. I remember as a, as a young teenager being part of a church called Bayside Baptist Church. It was a small church and it had an incredible youth group. And I remember going along, there was leaders who cared for me and there were friends who just encouraged me at a particular time in my life which was incredibly pivotal. You know, a time in my life where I was making key decisions, where I was trying to figure out my own identity. I'm so thankful for the youth group at Bayside Baptist Church. I'm sure many of you are thankful for the youth groups that you grew up in when you were a little bit younger. I'm so grateful for the church that I got involved in in London. I'm going to share a little bit later on about that journey, but it was a a community that in an incredibly pivotal time in my life when I was walking through some really challenging uh, things, it was a community that loved me that poured out its grace upon me and that restored me and renewed me. I'm so thankful for my community at St. Paul's and I'm so thankful for this community. I'm so thankful that I get to do a journey with you guys, that I get to walk life day by day, being encouraged, being affirmed and and seeing God's hand in his work in my life as I get to share my life with you. I'm so thankful for this community. It is shaping and affirming my story. The stories are shaped by the communities that we find ourselves in. Your story is shaped by the community that you find yourself in. And it's no surprise that we all long for community, we all long for intimacy, we all long for connection, we all long for love. Every one of us, why? Well, we've kind of been exploring that over the past few weeks because we're created for it. We're actually created for community. We're created for love. We're created in the image of God. That's part of this Better Story series. We go right back to the beginning. We're actually created for love because we're created in the image of God and God is love. God is relationship. And if we're created in His image, then we too are created for relationship. Ultimately, we're created for relationship with Him We're also created for a relationship with others. Every one of us is created for connection and for community because we all long for relationship and love. We all long to be loved unconditionally. I reckon every person in the world longs for that. But the challenge with the secular narrative that we find ourselves in is that there are competing voices that I think lead to a dissonance. See... We long for intimacy on one hand, but on the other side, we're also affirmed or told that we need to find independence. We are individuals who need to walk our own journey. We are our own authority. We've been unpacking this over the last few weeks. So you've got these two competing ideals. You have got on one hand individuality and individual expression, and on the other hand, you've got this desire for intimacy. And so we have this, this clash, individualism versus intimacy, and what it leads to, I think, and we see it in our world as we see isolation. Individualism leads to isolation. I think another factor in our world today is that we are living in a globalised state. We're living in, we have access to ideas, to communities, and to people right around the world, You could be growing up in the dustiest, smallest town in Western Australia somewhere and still be connected to any community around the world. You know, we're not designed for that. We, we, you know, historically we grew up in villages and tribes and we only knew a certain amount of people. But I think with globalization, the challenge with it, with all its benefits, the challenges is that there is this growing sense that we can't know everything. We're overwhelmed with all the access to all the ideas, all the communities All the places that we can go, all the people that we can connect with, it overwhelms us. And again, I think it speaks to this growing sense of isolation. We live in a world that is isolated. But even in the midst of that story, there is a better story. God pursues us. God has pursued you and we've mapped the journey, this beautiful story which can be summarised and characterised in one word. The story of God coming towards humanity is the story of love. God pursues us. And last week we got to the, the apex, the high point, where we see that God pursues us by coming down, humbling himself and dying for us in order that we can be restored. And and if you were here last week, you would have heard the story that we unpacked. And all of you, I'm sure, have heard the story of the prodigal son. Jesus tells the story. Really, it's a narrative about his heart for us, the, the running father who chases after the two sons. I've got this picture behind that I didn't show last week, but this is the invitation. I want you to see this picture as an invitation. It's a painting by Rembrandt. And he paints this. It's called The Prodigal Son. It's a beautiful picture of the father wrapping his arms around the, the, the prodigal son, the son that has taken his wealth, run off and spent it all, And then in his mess and his brokenness, he's decided to make his way back home. But before he can give his rehearsed speech to say all the things he's going to do to make things better, the father wraps his arms around him. It's this beautiful picture. You can even see the detail. One of the sandals has fallen off. It's just an absolute pitiful state. And the embrace of the father that just comes and welcomes, it's all about grace that is an invitation that is a picture for every one of us not only is that picture an invitation that God gives us an invitation into relationship but it's also an invitation into community it's a picture of the invitation into a community that is filled with with life and love filled with others who also find themselves in grace And so we're going to really quickly, we're going to unpack this next part of the better story that we're actually invited together into a community, a radical community of grace. And as we walk in grace, we are given strength and courage that speaks love, life and hope to a world that desperately longs for it. And so we're going to unpack a passage that Paul gives as he writes to the church in Rome. And he writes, and and Romans is a bit of a theological unpacking of the better story. And at the end of Romans, he begins to paint a picture of what this radical community should look like. And so we're going to read from Romans chapter 12 today. If you've got your Bibles, open it up. uh, Or if you've got your phone, open it up to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to be starting at verse 3. And we're going to be pausing as we kind of do this journey. So Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 3. Interesting to note, just before I jump into this, that you can see in theologians um, kind of pick up on this point that that Paul is picking up the themes of the Sermon on the Mount here. He's picking up the characteristics of what Jesus said in Matthew. When Matthew teaches the, the ethics of the kingdom, what does the kingdom look like? Paul is picking up these phrases, these terminologies, these ideas, and saying, Church, this is what we are invited to look like. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we... Paul is painting a picture of what the community of God looks like and there's a whole bunch of gifts here. Everybody comes to contribute. Everybody's got certain gifts and abilities in which they contribute into the, king, into the community. So how do we find our way into the community? Well, I think we see it from verse 3. The key to, to, to get into community, the community that we long for is found through humility. Humility. The community that we long for is realized through humility. Paul says, for by the grace given me, for by the grace given me, I say, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. There's a couple of keys, I think, as we find our way into community. We get to community through humility. We find our way into community through humility. First key is that we need to receive grace. See, receiving grace is a step of humility. Paul says, by the grace given me. Grace says, I can't do it. Grace says, I cannot fix the situation. Grace says that I am not good enough. Grace is the picture of the younger son embraced by the father. I can't fix it. Grace The reception of grace is a step of humility. It's rejecting independence and it's receiving love. Receiving grace requires humility and it's receiving it from Jesus. That's the first key. And then the second key, once we've acknowledged that we need grace from the one who is in authority, the great gift giver, Jesus, then secondly, we need to see the grace in others. That's the second step, seeing grace in others. Others, Paul writes in verse five, so in Christ, again, so in Christ, in the grace of Christ, though many, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. See, when we, when we receive grace, when we acknowledge the grace in us, we can then also acknowledge the grace in others. We can look around and say, you know what? God's grace is on all of us. God's grace is on you and you and you. Another word for grace is gifted, the word charis. We're gifted in different ways. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor right now and say, you are gifted. Come on, just say it, just affirm them right now. You are gifted. Even if you don't believe it, say you're gifted. We need to see the grace and the gifts in others. I tell you, when we see grace, it sets us free from comparison. When we acknowledge grace in our own lives and when we see the grace in others, it sets us free from competition. It sets us free from comparison and it enables us, get this, it enables us to celebrate. If you find it hard celebrating other people's gifts, then maybe you haven't yet grasped humility. Maybe you yet haven't grasped grace. When I ask you, do you find it hard to submit to others? Do you find it hard to surrender to others? Do you find it hard to hear words of others in the community? Then perhaps you have an issue with grace. Maybe you have a problem submitting to Christ. Submission is a loaded word. To be able to say, I acknowledge the gifts and the strengths in others and I'm going to surrender in community, in humility, is a confronting thing. To say to I submit to you actually flies in the face of everything that we hear today. See the ethic of today, the ethic of 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 the narrative, the script of today is the only person we submit to is ourselves. We submit to our feelings. We submit to our desires. We submit to our emotions. They are the things that we submit to before anyone or anything else. It's interesting, I was reading the news just this week and I saw an article where a, a, a journalist who's also a close friend of Oprah Winfrey was talking to her about this series of interviews that she's doing with Meghan and, and Harry. And, and, and as I read the script and I heard some of what Oprah said, I said, that is the ethic of the day. So she asked, this friend, this journalist asked Oprah about whether she thinks these interviews are actually helping relationships within the royal family. And this is what Winfrey said. She, said. she said, I don't know if it helps with the royal family, but this is what I do know. What is most important is that you express your own personal truth in a way that benefits you and also helps other people to see the truth in themselves. You see, there's this affirmation that actually our personal truth is most important. And if we speak out our personal truth, then somehow that helps other people also be, live out their authentic self and live out their own truth. But here's the problem. So we live in a world where there are multiple truth claims. And the reality is, is what if we disagree? You know, I reckon that, that there'd be people in the royal family, again, I'm, not, I'm actually not making any commentary on the royal family. To be honest, I don't really care. But my observations are that this is not how... We are called as a Christian community to engage. We do not bring our own personal truth to the table and say, you just need to deal with it, deal with my truth, and then somehow you can respond in in, in liberating your own truth. It doesn't work that way. As we look in our secular narrative, we see fracture, we see a brokenness, we see an inability to conflict well. I don't need to give you any examples, you just need to look at media and social media. You look at the narrative to see that we don't know how to have a conversation anymore. We don't know how to differ anymore. We don't know how to submit to one another anymore. Humility is the way to true community. It's the way of Christ. Christ. Humility is the way to intimacy. Humility is the way to love. Humility is the way to community. And humility, therefore, gives us the grace to be a loving presence. And so Paul then, after founding and saying, listen, we come to one another in grace, acknowledging the gifts and the grace that God has given each of us, each of you. Let's now look at what it looks to be a loving community, a loving presence together Paul goes on to write, he says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Paul gives us a picture of a loving community filled with grace that is incredibly, lovingly present. They are present. Paul says we are called to be present. How can we be present? Because God has been present with us. God has been present with us and so we are to pursue his presence. Paul says, hey guys, I want you to be faithful in prayer. I want you to have the spiritual fervor. I want you to serve the Lord. I want you to pursue after God. Why? Because God has pursued after us. You know, last week we celebrated. We didn't actually, we didn't do it here in a church. We, we missed it. But it was Pentecost. It was the birth of the church. And that is the moment where the presence of God comes down. and came down 2,000 years ago and made himself manifest amongst his people so Jesus had come, he'd lived, he died, he'd risen again. And he said to the disciples, he said, wait in Jerusalem for my presence, for my spirit. And so all these believers, they're freaking out because they're waiting, waiting to be killed, really. They're waiting to be the next Jesus, the next one crucified. And so they're all huddled together. And at Pentecost, we read the words that the spirit of God comes down in fire and in power. You can read it in Acts chapter 2. I don't have time to read it now. But you see the presence of God made manifest. It's the birth of the church. God is with the church. We see then that the church multiplies. We see on that day, 3,000 are added to their number. That's a good day. I'd love to have a few of those days. We'd have to build a few mezzanines. If we had three, we'd have to do a few more services. We'd have to go back to 8.30 and 10.30. We need the Holy Spirit And here's the thing, we do have the Holy Spirit. God's presence is with us. God's presence is with us. Right now, you may not feel it because you haven't had a coffee yet. Coffee or no coffee, God's presence is with you. He's with us. And because God has made his presence known to us, how can we but in turn be present with the other? Just as God is present with us, so we need to be present with the other. Paul says, be devoted to one another. Be devoted, be devoted, be devoted. Hear that, be devoted to one another in love. Practice hospitality. Hospitality is not cooking, people. Although that's part of it and we'll enjoy. If you're coming to newcomers later on, we'll enjoy some of it from Linnell Lin- in a moment. Hospitality is a posture of vulnerability that says, come into my life. I want you to come into my life. I wanna share life with you. Paul says that we are called to be present with others. And there's a gift. There's a gift to presence. In fact, there's, I'm just gonna highlight three. I'm sure there are many more, but let, let me just pick up three gifts of presence, when we presence ourselves with the other, when we presence ourselves together as a community. Firstly, when we presence ourselves, we remind ourselves of who we are. When we gather together in church, when we gather together in life group, when we gather together as Christian family, we are reminding ourselves of who we are. See, there's something about looking at the other and seeing ourselves in the mirror, seeing the image of God, seeing, seeing all that God is in all his grace and his mercy. And more than that, as we presence ourselves with, with one another, we remind ourselves of God's grace, his goodness. We see each other's gifts. We give of our gifts and we receive of our gifts. There is something beautiful about grace when we meet together in this place when we are embodied, when we kind of sit next to one another, when we have conversations with one another. you know, One of the real gifts of being together is that we can confess to one another, that we can share life together, that we can repent where we need to, that we can offload and we can share with one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I read the story before, created a, a, a beautiful community. He, he wrote the book uh, Life Together, which I'm going to reference a few times now this radical community in the face of opposition and persecution in Germany, saying the church has got to be better. And he created this community in Finkenwald in, in Germany. He writes this, the more isolated a person is, the more destructive will, uh, the willpower of sin over him is. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more dis- disastrous his isolation. Sin wants to, be, to, be, to remain unknown. In confession, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and seclusion of the heart. See, our natural disposition is to hide away. But when we choose to meet, we receive grace. Things are brought into the light. We remind each other of who God is and who we are in God. Secondly, we rest. There is something about relationships that invite us into rest. Hospitality is part of that. When we choose to isolate ourselves, we actually choose to go our own way and actually we're drawn away from rest. We're drawn away from pause. See, when we step into a relationship, I think there is a, there's a pause that is forced on us. It's a, it's a reset. It's a stop of the clock. It enables us to, to get away from the mundanity and the processes of our life. Presence makes us Pause, And as we pause, as we stop, as we spend time with the other, as the other brings themselves to us, as we rewire and reconfigure our life, it actually helps us to push against the narrative of the world that we are in. See, we live in a, a secular story that says that we must work harder, pursue more, achieve more, do more. And what is robbing us of is presence. It's actually forcing us further into isolation. David Fitch, in his book, Faithful Presence, says this. Daily we obsess about holding our lives together. We walk in isolation and protection from other people. We pass homeless people on the street and give a dollar. But do we even know them? Indeed, we dare not know them. At work, we look at clients as profit-loss statements. Even our most intimate relationships can turn into negotiated contracts. As a result, there's a distrustful distance between people in all types of relationships. We are empty and long for some kind, any kind of presence. People, being present is a gift. Choosing to be together is a gift. It invites us into a place of pause. It invites us into a place of rest. And thirdly, It helps us remain. When we step into presence, presence helps us remain in love. We connect in. We connect into the life source. We connect into others. We connect into the heart of Christ. We connect into those who can remind us of who we are. We can remain in the vine, remain in love, as Jesus talks about. In John chapter 15, he says these words. This is Jesus now. Speaking to the disciples, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Just another side note. I didn't say this one, but to be present is to know joy. To choose presence is to know joy. My command is this. This is Jesus' command. All right, so we're gonna grab hold of this. This is really important. They're are, there are important words of Jesus, and they're really important words of Jesus. This is my command that you may love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. You know, we think about a whole range of different ways about how we're growing in Christ. You know, there are metrics for discipleship. Well, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And we, we come up with a whole bunch of things where we go to church regularly. I, you know, I read the Bible. I pray. I don't do naughty things, or I'm getting better at not doing naughty things. And we, we kind of look at, we've got all these. If you want to know the metric for whether you are growing in relationship with Jesus, it's this Are you growing in love? Are you growing in love? When we presence ourselves, we remain in the vine. We remain in Christ and we grow in love. But see, when we withdraw, we miss out. When we withdraw, we miss out on the gift that God has for us. More than that, not only do we miss out, we've got to understand this, and I feel this might be a little bit heavy, but when we withdraw, we actually rob others. See, your presence is a gift. Your presence is a gift to others. Your presence actually helps others. And so when you withdraw, not only do you miss out, but others miss out too. Humility speaks to us and says that we need others. Humility says that we need grace and it leads to loving presence. I remember um, I would have been, this would have been about 12, 13 years ago. And I I was just going through a really hard time. I remember I was living in the UK and uh, I had come back to Australia I was in the middle of my theological studies and there were a whole bunch of things that had gone wrong and I just was really struggling incredibly low at a low point point. and I remember I had just taken on a job at St Paul's I'd never been there well I'd been there but I'd, I wasn't part of the church and I wasn't even quite sure why I was going back to the UK to be honest I was done I remember walking around the streets of our home, family home it, back here in Australia and just going, God, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't even know why I'm getting on a plane going back to the UK. I remember rocking up at the airport and there, and this was agreed, there was another, he's not here today, which is a bit of a shame, was Dan Warlow. Dan is a little bit younger than me, some of you know Dan, and Dan's a different personality to me. Uh, he's, he's got a lot more energy than me. And he, was, he decided to move over to the UK and wanted to hang out with me. And so he decided to come back on the same flight. Here I am, all depressed. And here is Dan. Well, he's beyond excited, which, which is a lot. And I remember on the flight over from Australia to the UK going, Lord, why me? <laughs> I got to tell you, that Dan was an absolute gift to me. I remember arriving at St. Paul's and I'd known Dan for years and Dan just immersed himself in the community and he just drew me kicking and screaming. I didn't want to, I wanted to withdraw. But I got to tell you that it was the community there at St. Paul's that recovered me, that invited me into grace, that brought me into a place of renewal, that pulled me out of withdrawing and brought me in, even when I didn't want to, it was the gift of others. It was the gift of others who presence themselves for me. That is a gift. We may not understand it. You may not understand how your presence is a gift, but your presence is a gift. If you're willing to see it, if you're willing to understand it, your presence is a gift and God has given every one of us, that gift to bless one another. Finally, our presence helps us. When we choose to be present, it helps us with loving, faithful patience. Paul lands this passage in pretty heavy words. He says this from verses 14 onwards. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn live in harmony with one another do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited do not repay anyone evil for evil be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone do not take revenge my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath for it is written it is mine to avenge I will repay says the Lord on the contrary if your enemy is hungry feed him If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap heap burning coals on his head. Do Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. To be present is not just to live and exist for yourself, but it is to exist for the other. And it takes sacrifice and courage. We are to live and love with a faithful patience to those around us. This community, we're to be faithfully patient to those in our church community. Paul writes, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Paul is saying we need to bear each other's burdens, carry each other's burdens. That's hard. That takes sacrifice. I know when we look around, that you're going to look around at some people and go, man alive, they're going through some tough stuff. I'm not sure if I have the capacity. But the invitation to love, the invitation to presence is one of sacrifice. It's to acknowledge the image of God in the other and understand the image that God has placed in you and to go and to love and presence yourself with the other. It takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice because people are different to us. You know, there are some odd people in churches. There are some strange people in churches. There are some people that you don't like in churches. In fact, I know you don't want to say it, but there are people in this church that you just don't like, that you don't get on with. They annoy you. They irritate you. Their personality grates with you. You don't like them. I just spoke out all your internal things that you're not allowed to say in church. And guess what? Despite all of that, we are called to love one another. I mean, this is the gift of the church right now. I'm looking at you. I mean, a whole bunch of you wouldn't be hanging out with people if it wasn't for church. I mean, you wouldn't go to the football with certain people around you. You wouldn't go to a restaurant with certain people. You just wouldn't want to, you you certainly wouldn't invite them over. But guess what? We're an odd mix of an eclectic group of people who love one another because we're all in Christ. That speaks to a world who desperately longs for intimacy. Intimacy is not based on our terms. It's based on grace and humility And it takes sacrifice and it pushes against the culture that says, if I disagree with you, I cancel you. If I disagree with you, I defriend you. If I disagree with you, I don't spend any more time with you. See, that is not love, but that is the culture that we're in. Just walk away. I'm not going to put any more time into you. It takes sacrifice to live in present community, faithful patience, and secondly, it takes courage. It takes courageous people to live in a culture, in a church that's so different. You know, we're called to be honest. We're actually, actually called to walk with courage inside the church and outside the church. We're called to actually have conversations and, and talk to people and, and bless them and love them by disagreeing with them. You know, Proverbs 27 says, "'Wounds from a friend.'" can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Anyone here like being wounded? Anyone? No. No, I didn't think so. If you did, then you've got problems. We don't like being wounded. We don't like being wounded. But wounds from a friend can be trusted. See, there's a courage that we're invited to as a church family to say, listen, I love you too much to not say what I need to say. And sometimes that hard. But if it's given in grace, and we need to hear this, if it's given in grace and if it's received in humility, then it should be heard. I think we're so afraid sometimes to love one another and actually, and actually in, the, in the right sense love one another by, by being honest. That is an invitation into the church. That's an invitation to be courageous we're invited to be courageous in our love. We're be invited to be be courageous in how we love others inside the church, but we're also called to be courageous in those with those outside the church. We're to embrace the unlovely. In fact, we're to embrace the enemy. And Paul writes it here. There's an overwhelming wave as I come to land now in this message, I see that this is the call for us as a church as well that we are called to love our enemies. We are called not just to love those inside. We will be known as a church for our love, not just for one another, but we will be known for our love for those outside. We are called to bring life and love to those who don't deserve it. Those that our communities and society say are unlovely. That is what we're invited to do. See, our presence ultimately proclaims a better story. Our presence here, our presence in our community, our nation and our world proclaims a better story. It proclaims one of grace and humility and and love. It's that picture of the father wrapping his arms around the lost son. Not only have we received that, but we get to share it with others. And over this season, over this Gateway Beyond season, we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be celebrating that. I love the fact that here as a church, here in the city, even though we've only been going for not even two years, God has called us not just to to radically love one another, but we've been called to radically love the other, the outsider, the broken and the poor. I love the fact that we're called to love our city. I love what's happening in our care ministry and and the teams that are doing incredible work. I love what's going on as as people go and, and walk the streets. Every second Thursday morning at the moment, I think that there's room for this to grow. Before work, teams from this church go and walk the streets of the city, connecting, conversing, chatting with, encouraging people who are sleeping rough. They'll be connecting with 20 to 40 people every Thursday morning or every second Thursday morning, loving them, giving them some food, creating community inviting them back for food and for morning tea where more connection and community can take place, where they can receive resources and goods and clothing, whatever they need. I love that. I love the fact that here in the city, and Tim mentioned it before, we've got people who are committed to blessing our nation. Kez and Jacques and Tian called to the university space. David and Jenny Niebling, who work for YWAM Brisbane, mobilising young people from around Australia to go out and to bless the nations of the world. It's all coming out of this church. I love the fact that we have people who are connected to who have gone out over many years and gone into mission into the, the darkest places of the world, the, the most broken places of the world, to bring love, hope, meaning, purpose and joy. We do it because God has made His presence amongst us and we, fueled with that love, go and make our presence to those who most need it. That's the mission that God's called us to do. That's the radical nature of the Christian faith and the Christian community and every one of us are invited into it. We are invited to participate in the kingdom of God into the community of God. It is a better story. People, if we live it, we will proclaim a better story. As we presence ourselves, as we choose and push against our own preferences at times, our own tiredness, our own lethargy, our own apathy, we choose to presence ourselves, we will bless one another. And we will bless a world that desperately needs to know the love and the grace of God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Hey, I wonder whether we can stand here this morning. I realize that it's late. But I reckon that God wants to minister to us today. I wonder if I can get the band to come up and... Listen, one of, the, one of the things that I really love about our church community is that, that we have a culture where we get to bless one another, that we get to pray for one another. See, that's, that's part of being a present community. It's actually looking out for the other. And it's not just in these moments at the end of a message, but let me encourage you, it's over a, a hot coffee at the end of the service, so uh, hot chocolate, I think we've got. Yeah, Lila's just told me hot chocolate today. So you get to enjoy hot chocolate. Or at life groups. Or serving on teams. the just in the moments, in the spaces where we just get to encourage one another. Let me encourage you more and more just to be aware, calm, acknowledging your gifts and the grace that God has given you and the gifts that you have for one another. My heart is that will just spill out beyond just the formal spaces of of church in worship this morning I just felt like we need to pray for a certain group of people just to bless a certain group of people here today I know that there are people here in this place who are walking through a season of illness maybe a, a season of disease a season of sickness This morning, just in worship, I felt like we just needed to pray for the sick this morning. To bless those who are in need, to impart God's grace and blessing on those. So before we, as we worship, we're going to worship and sing. We're going to sing a song that just invites the Spirit of God to come and pour out His presence and His grace upon you. If you are here right now and you're walking through that season, whether it be serious or not serious... Can I invite you just to come forward right now? I'd love to, we would love to pray for you. If that's you right now, come on, just step out from where you are. Right, so no one's sick in the church. Come on. Come on. Anyone else? Step forward just spread out guys and if you can just go into the wells I'm, I'm so aware of COVID we don't want to don't want to part yeah we don't anyone else come on come on we want to bless you this is about giving and receiving grace and people are going to impart grace in a moment come on if you're standing can you just just spread out a little bit guys just so that we know who's come forward who's come forward Lancey Orson Ron so good Okay, this is where we all get to play. See, this is part of being in the community. Everyone gets to play if you're a follower of Jesus. Just quickly, are there anyone else? I reckon there's some people who are just resisting. This is going to be a blessing for you. Believe that God is going to heal. Is there anyone else? Might be emotional, might be physical. Anyone else? All right. I'm just going to invite people just to come out. If you know these guys, just to come down the front. Just come down. I'd love for you to, just come on. If you know these guys, I'd love for you just to come and stand in front of them as distanced as we can in this place. Come on. And even if you don't know them, I think we need some, we've got enough people. I'd love at least two with each person. Awesome. Guys, I'd just love for you to Wait on the Spirit as we worship. And then just, we, 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 we know, and, and this is part of the, the coming of the Spirit, knowing the Spirit is with us, is the gift of prophecy and the words of knowledge. And God, I believe, wants to use them today and use you just to encourage and to speak life and hope. Words of prophecy are for the building up and the edification of the other. We see that in Paul. And so just, just as you pray and as you even pray with your eyes open and just say, Father, what do you want to say? What, how do you want to say? And then pray. Maybe you want to pray for healing for those being prayed for. Well, no, let's pray for healing, not maybe. Let's pray for healing. If there are things that, if those being prayed for, just say what you'd love prayer for. And let's just ask in the name of God, bless one another, a God who we know who heals, just to come. Let's bless one another. Let's pray for healing. And for the rest of us, let's sing. Maybe you want to pray for these guys and just lift up your own prayers as we worship, as we sing. Come on, let's do that. Come on, guys, let's pray. Let's worship as we receive God's presence and His grace afresh in our community. We hope you've been blessed by this message.